Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today, Ash Barami, and I am pleased to be joined by the MEN football writing duo of Rich Fair. You weren't quite, um, sort of, oh, go <laughs> And Don Booth. Yeah, you weren't quite like X Hello. Factor then. Yeah. Wasn't you the guy on the X Factor? What, the, the Scottish guy? Yeah, the guy who, into, who yeah. introduced. Yeah, I think I know who you're on about. Yeah. It's quite an epic all. intro. It's time yeah. to face the music. After three takes, we finally got the intro sorted. Mm, we've been quite took giggly a good, today. Took I'm a good sure five minutes to do. but um, I think it's maybe being delirious of being in United have won an away game and it's just yeah. it's all got to our heads. Yeah, you wait seven months for an away win and you get two in one week, Dom. I guess it's not just the result that was pleasing, but maybe the manner of the result, the performance that Solskjaer will be delighted by. Yeah, um, I'd probably say it was the best performance of the season, especially when you consider the best result of the season against Chelsea. Um, United were obviously quite patchy in that game. This was a, a it was a more complete display. I think the uh, the return of Martial is probably the key thing that we're going to talk about. It just seemed to change the dynamic of the attack. Really, I mean, it's an obvious thing to say that United haven't had a a natural number nine without him. Rashford just seemed to. Seemed to be absolutely thriving alongside him. Uh, it just it just seemed altogether a bit more cohesive. Like seemed like Solskjaer's plan, which we've been wondering what exactly it, it is, is actually finally delivering something. I mean, I mean, the Liverpool and Belgrade results were good results, but this was a good performance. That was the big difference. Yeah, Rich, do you, do you get the sense now that Martial's back? That Solskjaer, his plan all along was to build a team through Anthony Martial through the middle. Yeah, I mean, he said before the game as well, he spoke that uh, he still sees Marshall going forward as the number nine. I think, obviously, the way they link up, fantastic, the three of them. I think, even though they've maybe not got the natural right winger, Daniel James was excellent, again, playing on the, the flank that he's not really used to um, playing on. Rashford was good as well. He took his goal really, really well. His link up with Marshall was exceptional. And it, he was saying that the key to all that is the communication on the pitch. They talk to each other a lot, Marshall and Rashford. It's obviously... Um, working wonders and it's, it's starting to to get better for United and we're starting to see the signs of what we saw in the early sort of Solskjaer reign but I still I'm going to be a bit pessimistic because I still think that some of the result was only because Norwich do like to attack with the ball and it gave United the freedom on the break I know Alexander Tete who captained Norwich after the game said that it was just a a really bad defensive performance from Norwich and they invited United on too much. I know if United score the penalties then it does look like a more of a route than it was. Should have kept a clean sheet. Really, I know it's maybe nitpicking but I find it unacceptable that they can see the goal so late on when it was wrapped up. Yeah, that'll, dis- that'll really disappoint Harry Maguire, I think. And McTominay, who I thought was was very good apart from that little mistake giving the ball away. But that midfield's pro- probably good to come onto the, to that as well because... Um, Fred and McTominay we've spoken about Fred uh, so many times on this podcast Ash likes to poke me and prod me and see what my latest Fred opinion is sometimes um, I prefer not to speak on this occasion because I think he was he was very very solid um, and McTominay just seems to be growing into you know a real United like what what people would term a red someone who gets it who understands, you know, what it takes in terms of work rate and uh, an application on the pitch as well. And he doesn't seem to score bad goals, does he? Every goal he seems to score seems to be a fantastic finish. So there are lots of things to be positive about. I accept Rich's sort of... Yeah, my concern is just... Concerns about the... About the uh, still, I still don't the see opposition. the side breaking... You, you went into that game thinking... I mean, your predictions generally this season have been quite good, Rich, and you went, you went into that game thinking, well, I think I think United Two will one. win today. You were yeah. pretty comfortable. 
I thought just just suits United. The, I mean, the, the quirk of it is because Norwich beat City at home. Lots of people give them maybe more credit than they deserve. They're a side who will probably get relegated this season. It, it's a good result and it's better. And you've got to take the positive because United have played maybe worse footballing sides and lost away from home, particularly. You look at the Newcastle game, etc. So you've got to take that as the positive. First win away since February. That, that generally is credit to them that they've turned it around in that aspect but the Norwich side they like to play on the front foot themselves get the ball down and it's the perfect opposition for United because they can just hit them on the break with their pace cut open a very feeble defence which is already stricken by injuries I just feel that even though the midfielders were good and I thought they were energetic move the ball around okay I still don't see a midfield they like break a team down yeah to pit, definitely pick the locks but that's a very good point that Rich has made because United's last Premier League away win before uh, Norwich was against Fulham 3-0 uh, in February I think it was which has Crystal Palace was it? No I think that was before Fulham I think that was before uh, Fulham or maybe it was maybe it was Palace in March yeah. anyway the three teams have I think Fulham was in February yeah if you, include, if you include Palace and Fulham which yeah. are the previous two with Norwich all three have similarities in that they are quite gung-ho attacking in many ways and will leave gaps for you to exploit I mean especially Norwich and Fulham like Rich said too, Fulham got relegated Norwich could easily get relegated and they didn't really have the resilience that we this is probably the reason why we think that some of United's home games might be more difficult than away this season despite the record that they've had of, of not winning away because teams will park the bus essentially and, and ask United's not particularly creative midfield to break them down Games like this, Norwich sort of have to go for it a little bit because yeah. they're playing in front of their own fans. And I think it'll be the case against Bournemouth as well. It's almost a perfect game, Bournemouth, next weekend. Yeah, I Bournemouth think both, will attack and United will probably pick them off. Yeah, I think both games this week will really suit United because they go into them as uh, still relative maybe underdogs to the degree that Bournemouth and Chelsea will both attack them. They'll both come out looking to score goals themselves. It should suit United on the break. But then you look ahead to games, maybe like Sheffield United away. That looks like a banana skin for United already. Any team at home is always going to look a bit... Like a villa at home. Yeah. You, you think that they would come and... and the way they've struggled this you know. weekend as well. Yeah, you definitely... I mean, that's the thing. It's it, You've got to take the positive immediately. And it is generally a, an upturn in fortunes for United as of late. But you do feel that it only takes one bad result and, and things can come tumbling down again. The fact United are seventh is ludicrous. That's saying there's only been six better teams than in the Premier League this season, which is just wrong. There's a lot of there's a lot of very inconsistent sides. Yeah, there? there's there's so much inconsistency, which is is favouring United. You know, I even look at Leicester and Chelsea, who are everyone's favourite teams at the moment because they're probably outperforming expectations. But they've got serious weaknesses. Both those two teams, then they're not. Um, they're not truly top class teams in my opinion I think they're only City and Liverpool are in the league so United can look upon the, the general picture in the Premier League with, with quite a lot of optimism despite obviously playing quite poorly for a lot, a lot of their, uh, their games yeah and the mad thing is when you look at the league table and you look at United's results they've beaten both them teams and look at when they beat Chelsea 4-0 to now you just wouldn't have thought that Chelsea would have recovered as they have so it just goes to show that it's a long old season and them flaws that you say them two teams have will be exposed over the course of the season. Yeah, Solskjaer might rightly say, you know, look how often I've had my first choice midfield, first choice attack. Um, if you include Luke Shaw, first choice defence to choose from, very, very rarely. So obviously every team gets injuries, but United, particularly Martial's absence, was very, very costly, I think, because of how it altered other positions. Rashford then had to play the number nine. Maybe he's not the best there 
um, Daniel James is playing maybe on the right instead of the left. Andres Pereira sometimes playing on the right. And that's not mm. anything like his position. Martial's return just seemed to put all the pieces back into the right places. Yeah, so, sorry, I was just going to say, it's, it's a fair point, isn't it? Because, I mean, a few games ago, I think United went into a game with five, six first team players out. And I don't care who you are. If you've got that many players out in any other team, you're going you're gonna to struggle and you're going to suffer. Yeah, particularly a squad like United's, which has such minimal quality in it in some areas anyway. And after the game yesterday, Tominic came out quite uh, quite fighting, really. He wasn't that... He was happy to have won, but he was still a bit annoyed. He said it was very, very early days. There's still a lot more for this team to, to move into. And I think like Dom said before, like Leicester and Chelsea both been fantastic. But the fact that United are seventh after such a sort of crisis starts the season I still wouldn't be surprised if United finished in the top five maybe even the top four yeah I wouldn't be surprised they only need that run of form I know it's easy to be pessimistic doom and gloom but this has been we've, every week it almost seems there's a stat where it's, this is the worst United start ever this is the worst United have been for 60 years 70 years well they're still seventh they're still above the likes of Tottenham who were meant to be the club that they were trying to emulate last season everything the team that couldn't do any wrong so I think that the injuries have definitely played a part I think Solskjaer has been naive in some regards particularly with maybe tactics and the way in which he's rushed players back I was a bit hesitant when Marshall did start against Partizan because I thought I just had fears of a Pogba situation and a Pogba was out till December he was rushed back to that Rochdale game yeah. what have they gained from that I know. which we'll come on to in a, in a short while that's a nice tease isn't it but yeah. yeah so Marshall it paid off playing them against Partizan and then easing them back again prior to the Norwich game but I still feel that United's issues are partly maybe down to their own poor management in times and obviously the whole hierarchy of the club, but they have been unfortunate. That's the bottom line, isn't it? If you look at maybe that Leicester team, have Leicester had any key players injured? No, I don't think so. Liverpool City have such colossal squads that even an injury to them is hard. Even Liverpool, if they had five or six key players, first team players that injured Liverpool, say Van Dijk, Salah, Wijnaldum, Alisson, Robertson, something like that. Certainly to be... I think they would they would have a serious dip in form, especially uh, after watching them against Spurs yesterday when they could have easily lost. I think City lost. the only team that can cope with injuries yeah. on that degree. Still, they have struggled, but they're still doing well. But for United, it's been such a blow. I know people aren't going to give people at Shaw the credit they deserve, but it's easy enough to say, oh, I want to see Brandon Williams start every week. But Luke Shaw's a senior left-back. You know, he's, he's one of the hottest talents in English football a few years ago. He is a quality left-back. He might not be United quality at the moment, but... Player of the year last year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then all it takes is Brandon Williams, of course, to make one mistake in a big game of importance and fans are saying, well, why did you rush him? It's well, it's the same with all the youngsters. You know, you don't, you don't really want to put too much onus on those young players, although it is promising to see, you know, the likes of Williams come through. Garner, I, I didn't particularly agree with the out, outpouring of love for Garner after the partisan Belgrade game. I thought he was quite poor, actually. But I understand he's a youngster making a debut, so we, we give him a little bit of latitude. But actually Solskjaer in the last week or so has been a little bit more canny about his use of the youngsters. Greenwood and Gomez and Chong all played for the under-23s last Friday night, which I thought was a good move. Greenwood got a goal, Gomez got a goal. And what do you? he's just left a couple of them out on, on trips and yeah. stuff like that. I think it's what been better. What do you make better. of that? Because I saw lots of fans, and before, particularly when the team dropped on Sunday, there's lots of fans, because before the game, Solskjaer came out and said he'd have no doubts about playing both Garner and Williams from the start against Norwich. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think he means it. Exactly. Particularly, well, uh, yeah. Because it has a peculiar tactic. Obviously, he's trying to maybe score points with fans, but fans see through that. 
Yeah, and what, what he needs to get the balance right between is he said a lot about, you know, I will trust youngsters, I'm prepared to take that gamble. But do you think he actually is giving them as much of a chance as he's saying he is? Well, does he, when those injuries struck, he, he turned to Nemanja Matic and he turned to Ashley Young and Juan Mata. He didn't really turn to, to the youngsters as much. Maybe Greenwood was the exception, got a little bit more game time. But he does need to get that balance right. I think the next time a couple of players go down with injury, maybe them having that experience, he might then turn to Greenwood. I think he, he's he got to turn to Angel Gomez before one matter the next time he's got that dilemma to play to choose from, in my opinion. I think the good thing is as well, like United still have three group games in the Europa League to go and they still have the Carabao Cup, which we'll get onto in a bit, to maybe give these youngsters a chance. So I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and I think some of them, like Williams, will be playing in all of those games. Yeah. You know, every Europa League and Carabao Cup game, you've got to play him because he really deserves it after his Belgrade display. Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember the exact presentation, but we looked at the group after the Partizan away win. I think if United do beat Partizan at home, they are all but assured a place in the knockout stage anyway because yeah. their head's, head's better yeah. than Partizan. So that would be two free hits. I know... I mean, Europa League doesn't have the same sort of permutations as the Champions League where you need to finish top of the group as such, I don't think. So, you know, I think that's definitely an opportunity for Solskjaer to be true to his word. But, you know, when you get a team like Astana away, I've still got, I still deep down feel it's going to be Ashley Young, Matic, Mata yeah. playing the game. But we'll see what happens. I, I, I personally think that Solskjaer has given you enough chance I just feel like he's doing himself a disservice by saying how much of a chance he is going to give them. I just feel like, just stay calm, stay quiet. You don't have to talk about youth every week and then play them just when they when they merit it. And ironically, against Chelsea on Wednesday, we'll probably get onto this, Ash, but I think I think he has to go with a quite an experienced team to continue the momentum built from the last couple of results. I don't think he can afford to make 10 changes United then lose to Chelsea and all of a sudden the atmosphere is punctured, is punctured and we're back to square one I think that's a real balancing act as well yeah and before we do move on to that I mean one player I wanted to highlight was Fred we spoke a few weeks ago on the podcast Dom and we were saying to get the best out of it see what Fred's all about he needs to he needs to run the games in the first team consistently starting every game and I, I saw after the game came out and said that he's improving week by week do you feel now that we are starting to see what Fred is about? And I know we we were a bit critical of him with saying we, we don't know what he actually does for a 52 minimum player, but are we seeing now what he is about? Gary Neville said he didn't know what he does. We tried to explain what, what he does. Um, I think the thing with Fred is you need a framework around him uh, for him to succeed. And coming back to that Martial point, Rashford looking sharp, McTominay seems full of confidence. If you put Fred within that framework then I think, yeah, he'll be able to pick out the passes. You know, he needs he needs people to pass it to. He needs options. Before, you're, when you're asking Fred to... Because he is replacing Pogba in the team, really. You're asking him to replace that creativity in a struggling team without a focal point, without people who are natural in their positions. I think that's a tough ask. So that's probably the mitigation in, in Fred's favour. He's still got a way to go, in my opinion. I think he still needs more games. But it's a perfect opportunity now. He's got a little bit of confidence... Solskjaer can say you're going to start the next three or four more Premier League games and I'm going to back you Pogba probably out till December as, as we've mentioned yeah I think Fred has to start there's no argument of that I think the only maybe you know for balance I mean it's not hard to get better when you started so so bad at the club he's still got a first touch like a trampoline gives the ball away one in three passes um, frustrating to watch because 
you know, I think the frustration builds from the fact that, yeah, you might have this price tag, but take the price tag away for a second. You can see there are moments of quality there and there is maybe that sort of football intelligence, the way that he does look to try play the ball. Um, Jose Mourinho famously said every team needs a Brazilian in it, don't they? But um, I'm not sure Fred was the one he meant when he said that. Um, last night I've got David Luiz and yeah, I don't think he'd, he'd think that either. You know, he, he's good, but as Dom said, I think if United were playing well and they were full strength and he's a luxury that you can sort of have in that midfield and he does offer something a bit different. But at the moment, when the results aren't going well, he's an easy player to, to sort of scapegoat. Um, but as, as long as the injuries go on, he has to be starting games and he will only improve by confidence. I think he just needs that one game where he is the standout player. Yeah. If he has one game where he maybe gets a goal, gets an assist and people just step back and say, wow, here's the real deal. But it's just not quite clicked for him so far. At West Ham, Solskjaer chose Matic to start ahead of him, which... I could believe, to be honest with you, considering how Matic has been early season in pre-season, that was a real bad sign for Fred. And he has re- he has recovered quite well since then with a few decent performances. So, yeah, I'm still I've still got my money on him coming good. It's looking good, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, it you know if you look at even like Fernandinho when he first came to to Man City, I don't think he was the player that we see now. You know, Fabinho had a real foot, not a long, a long settling in period like Fred, but when he first came to Liverpool, there were question marks. Um, they're, they're both Brazilian and they're both good at defensive midfield. So they, there's Fred's um, template to follow. Yeah. And I want to touch on Pogba quickly. I mean, he, he's been ruled out now until December. Rich, um, we look at Paul Pogba and maybe if he does say he comes back in December, I mean, January transfer windows, not too far away around the corner. Potentially, I think it would be foolish to sit here and think next transfer window to say that there's not going to be any talk of him being linked with Real Madrid or the clubs. Where do you think United should position themselves with Pogba? I mean, if he comes out and talks about a move away again, is there any sort of thinking from United's half thinking, right, who should we look to to replace him and maybe move him on? Or do you think that's on hold until the summer at least? I think from the club's point of view, they'd definitely be on hold to the summer. They, they've they made their stance quite clear on Pogba that he's for sale for a certain price, uh, maybe if, if a team to come... Obviously, no one's going to say a player is... Every team's going to say, our best player is not for sale. That's what Pogba is. He's their best outfield player. But he's going to have a price on his head. Real Madrid offered a pitiful amount for him in the summer. They offered Hamas Rodriguez as part of a swap deal for him. That was never going to happen. Well, the cast-offs, basically, wasn't it? They yeah, exactly. It was embarrassing. But Pogba's got... You know, every player has their price. I, there's no player who is untouchable and Pogba certainly isn't at the moment at United, particularly with the manner of his performances. He might be missing till December, but I don't think the performances will be changed at all by him not being in the squad. He's not delivered enough this season. I know he's probably not been fully fit. Being ru- rushed back for that Rochdale game, as we said, was embarrassing. But from a club point of view, I think January, it's a time of the year where they've traditionally not even really liked to buy players. So they certainly wouldn't want to sell Paul Pogba um, teams don't like to sell their best players anyway. So if you would sell Pogba, who do you get in? Which clubs actually don't want to sell an actual good midfielder in the January transfer window themselves? Because they'd have to buy someone back in. So I think the club will have to wait till next summer and they've got a, got a serious decision to make because Pogba obviously come towards the end of his contract. United need to decide, well, do we offer him a, a big bump of wage now to secure him long-term and protect his value or do they just cash in as soon as they can? Personally, from my point of view, I'd sell Paul Pogba He's just not delivered enough in United shirt. It's frustrating because he is the best outfield player, but 
like I said, in this next couple of months, we're out and they'll probably play the best football of the season. I think he's just not delivered enough. Yeah, I think there's been a bit of kidology from United uh, regarding Pogba in terms of what they said in the summer. You know, they're absolutely adamant that he wasn't going anywhere. They played down links to people like Bruno Fernandes. And that's the worst thing is the fact that Solskjaer keeps on saying, Pogba's happy here, he's so happy here. He said he wanted a new challenge. His agents come out and said yeah. that he's been off looking at a move for him. But it, it, just, it works both ways. Pogba can want a new challenge but still be committed to the club. And United can say they're adamant they're not selling Pogba but still think about selling Pogba. You know, there's a, there's a subtlety and a nuance to both sides of the argument. I think what will happen almost certainly is that Pogba will go in the summer and United will be foolish to not be looking at replacements now and contingency plans. Well, if it took, was it 806 right-backs to find Wan-Bissaka, then God knows how long the shortlist is. (laughs) 2,755 central midfielders. But I think what United have to do is monitor the Christian Eriksen situation at Tottenham for me. Roy Keane and Gary Neville spoke about this, didn't they, on Sky Sports? They didn't agree. Neville said that um, Eriksen would improve United. Keane said to avoid him. I'm, ten- I'm tending to side with Neville and I think that if, if Ericsson found a new club would see the Ericsson from a year or two ago obviously he's not he's not performing at Spurs at the moment I really think that would be one that would suit United if they could go for him and he could be available for a very cheap price in January so they'd be foolish not to look at somebody like that Yeah as well I mean when you look at if United are wise in the transfer market and they do look at selling Pogba you look. You can look at at least two top-class midfielders that would maybe help the attack midfield position, sort of deeper midfield positions with the transfer fee of Paul Pogba. Well, the problem with Pogba is United have never known if he's a one of the two sitting midfielders or if he's a more advanced midfielder in the number ten role. So if you sign some someone, I think you have to sign two players to replace Paul Pogba. Probably United need another defensive midfield body. You know, Fred and McTominay are doing well, but they need somebody else in there. Matic is, is uh, out of contract in the summer. They also need someone who can play in the more attacking position. Andreas Pereira, the jury is very much out on him. Juan Mata is not getting any younger. So United really should be looking at two midfielders to sign in the next 12 months and probably a right winger and a, and a left back as well, I would say. Do you th- maybe another striker maybe a striker as well that's five good. or six yeah. players you need to be getting someone like James Madison in to play the attacking role and then someone else as Dom said to, to fill in and do the hard work and the dirty work at the back someone who's just no nonsense isn't about the headlines just wants to turn up run some yards make the tackles and just do all the dirty work and anchor that side yeah in terms of that midfield three do you think Scott McTominay is, is almost making that position his own or yeah, it's, it's still too early to tell he's making it his own because there's no one else to make it for themselves you know the, 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 I like Scott McTominay as a person I think he's got the right attitude I think he's a, a credit to the club a great professional he's got good sort of physical attributes he's, he's quite energetic he moves the ball around he is quite big he's definitely improved his physicality um, but there's no no one in that midfield that comes close to maybe offering what he does in terms of like Dom's and maybe the passion and just getting it versatility. He'll play in any position he's asked to with no sort of qualms. But but thank God for his work rate and yeah, exactly. attitude this season because United could could have a different player in there who they're pinning all their hopes on. Exactly. But it's McTominay who who is actually taking responsibility and people say that you need competition for places to drive. Uh, you know, work rate and passion and commitment. Well, it's only February. There was no competition for places and McTominay's still doing it. Yeah, it was only, <clears throat> sorry, it was only February that he got his chance under Solskjaer in that Liverpool game. 
for that first leg of the PSG game, he was playing in the reserves at Lee when United lost 2-0 at home. Well, do you remember the Trump podcast we, you sat here recording it and we actually mentioned it like when we were recording at the time that he'd signed a contract and none of us could believe it. No, we, It's mad to believe that wasn't even a year ago. Exactly, yeah, because yeah, I, I personally, and I admit I was wrong on this, I thought Scott McTominay getting the contract was one, perhaps the worst, even worse than Rojo getting one. Because I did not know what McTominay offered. I just thought he was a cheerleader that didn't, maybe he ticked the boxes, got some fans involved. But as a footballer, the verdict was very much out there. And I, I did not see any reason why United should keep McTominay. But now I'm wrong. They, they definitely had to keep him because he's the only one that you can maybe rely on in that central midfield to perform every week. That's got to be clipped, that, that bit of rich audio. That's, uh, I'll make an admission. 24 minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> anyone listening for you, Rich. Um, moving on. I mean, it's Chelsea Wednesday night, Carabao Cup. It will be United's fourth game now in 10 days' time. And it's, it, 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 it is a short, small squad that United do have. And when you look at the list of priorities, Carabao Cup maybe not be high up on Solskjaer's list. Or maybe it is. And maybe it's an opportunity he might view as silverware. Dom, do you think this is an opportunity for players, the youngsters, as you mentioned earlier, to get a chance in that in this game, or is it very much go again, play a pretty strong eleven as it is Chelsea away and yeah, it's a big fixture. The latter for me, I think Solskjaer's got to be careful about fielding too many youngsters here. I wouldn't want United to be on the wrong end of a of a significant defeat, which is very possible against the Chelsea team who are firing on all cylinders at the moment. Lampard, you know, seemingly doing no wrong with the, the Chelsea fans behind him. So I think United have got to go in strongly and obviously they've got the the wood over Chelsea already this season having um, secured that fantastic win on the opening day of the season. So maybe it's one for Greenwood, um, potentially Williams as well, but I wouldn't go too much beyond that. I certainly wouldn't be delving into uh, the Matiches and uh, Phil Joneses of this world. I think... Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one for Solskjaer because obviously United then playing on Saturday lunchtime at Bournemouth, which is which means they'll be travelling there on um, Friday, which and they'll probably be coming back from Chelsea in the middle of the early hours of Thursday. So it's going to be a big test for for the squad, but I think they've just got to knuckle down on this occasion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> on the Carabao Cup, I think United have to give it all the respect they can. They've just got to get it, particularly under Solskjaer. I think for him to win a trophy would be massive in this season, regardless of where maybe they finish in the league. Um, yeah, I think they've got to treat it with the respect they have. I know the last few seasons everyone said that Man City, sort of their procession to the Carabao Cup's been because they've had an easy run, but it's because no other top team takes it seriously enough. If United take it seriously and play a half-decent squad, then you've got a very good chance of getting to the semi-finals at least, and then see where it goes from there. I think United have to just continue this winning mentality, particularly away from home. Um, Chelsea have, have started well, but that just means the onus is on, on them to produce a result. It's on them to try and get revenge for that first day of the season humiliation because they should not have lost 4-0 to United, particularly not this United side. So I see it as a free hit almost for United. I definitely would play as many senior players as he can. Do you think he will? I think, yeah, I think I he think will. he will. Um, I do think Williams will start the game. I think there'll be Greenwood up front. I think Gomez and Chong will make the bench. I think obviously Romero and goal. I'd probably. I mean, when you talk about change now, it's probably Lindelof, Rojo, centre backs. Yeah, one yeah. of Lindelof and Maguire will be rested, and the other one will probably play. Yeah. And then he'll, he'll probably he might give Fred a rest. I think because yeah, I think Mick Tomlin has played pretty much yeah, most of the games. Yeah. Yeah. He might need he might need a rest. Rashford might get a rest, and maybe Martial and Greenwood and. Most of the team then. Yeah, they're probably, probably most, most of the first eleven. Most then. of the first team will probably play. Yeah, um, 
the one the one thing to be said about the Carabao Cup is that, like Rich said, United won't feel any disappointment about going out. So it is a free hit. Solskjaer won't come on and end any fire if United lose the game. At least against Chelsea, they've got the free hit. Yeah, they've gone up to Derby the year before and stuff. So they were seen as calamities, but now no pressure at all. Yeah, United. United have been in pretty bad spots in the League Cup in the recent years. You know, Derby, Middlesbrough, uh, MK Dons, Sunderland. Yeah, there's been some some dark days. So Solskjaer can't really lose against Chelsea. Yeah, in terms of predictions, Dom, Rich. Richie, I know you're, you're heading there to Stamford Bridge on, the, on Wednesday night. Um, it'll be cold. The press food's great, though, so yeah, it's, uh, it'll be a good visit. In terms of results, no food. <laughs> I think it will be a very close-fought game. I think, I mean, the, the quirk of it is that I don't know what team Chelsea are going to play. I, I don't know how serious Lampard's going to take it. I think Batshuayi will probably play. I know he's been playing in the Europa League and stuff. I think that Chelsea will definitely play better. I think it will either be 2-1 Chelsea or 1-0 draw and pens, and then it's a lottery. It goes straight to penalties, the Carabao Cup. I think United will definitely be in it. I don't think they'll go more than the goal down in the game. I think United have a chance, but I'd say Chelsea's slight favourites, but wouldn't be surprised if United were to win on pens. Yeah, that's the thing with Chelsea as well. I mean, they could make seven or eight changes, and you look at that starting eleven and think, most of them would probably get in the most Premier League teams. So it, they, in terms of depth, they certainly... Come up, come up on top ahead of United. They probably do, but obviously they've had the transfer ban, and there's a, there's a few players whose futures are you know maybe in the balance at Chelsea. You know Lampard's not backed not backed everyone, has he? But it'll still be the likes of Pedro and Willian maybe playing, and you know the central midfield options that he's got are pretty good as well with Barkley and and you know you probably see the likes of Hudson Odoi, Kovacic. Yeah, so I think I would. If you're asking me for a prediction, I would probably say a high-scoring one. I think both teams would probably go for it. Probably three-two Chelsea. Not five-four then. No, it was five-four a few years ago. With uh, we were trying to list the team before eleven-twelve. I was getting mixed up with the league game that ended like four-three, where Hernandez scored. Hernandez scored the hat. Is that the same season? Or was that? It might have been the one after. You were close and together. Samuel's here, no, but yeah. the five-four was United with. I can't remember. They came back in the Carabao Cup. I think they three one down, got to three all. And Lingard scored like a spin, like a turn. That was Van Hal. Yeah, that was later. That was later. Good goal. Though. That was Scott Woodson yeah. played uh, and had a bit of a disaster. Yeah, the other one was when three two and Hernandez got the hat trick. Yeah. The last one was offside, but it was given. But yeah. no VAR then, so who cares? No VAR Wednesday night. No, I said there was no VAR. Oh, right, okay. It's only the Europa League where we have that joy of no VAR this season. Yeah. yeah. Nice one, Dom. Rich, thank you very much. Um, If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so. We drop an episode once a week, so we shall see you probably round about this time next week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Manchester is Red podcast.